clear for takeoff. where I met Dr. Roy, um, got my master's here in 2010. That's when I started the marriage and family therapy program. And Dr. Roy took me under his wing and he started teaching me about young men, young men of color. I loved research and I've been rocking with him ever since. Um, decided to stay in Maryland after I got my master's degree, after I became a licensed clinician, working with couples and just been doing research. So, you know, you guys are very lucky to have a smart man. Um, that man's brilliant. Um, he's taught me a lot. He's pretty dope, you know. He's, uh, I will be open and transparent because we will be talking about vulnerability when it comes to men. I will say that Professor Hart, I mean, Professor Roy, is a huge place in my heart. He's, he's a father figure to me. He came to my wedding a few months ago, um, and um, he's a very, very important guy. Him and I were dominating on this campus for the last decade, so. You know, I'm pretty sure they're glad I left so they can give other people a break. But it's enough for me and pass it to Brother Walton. All right. And again, my name is Tariq Omari Walton. I also graduated from here from the um, Couple and Family Therapy Program. John was actually one of my supervisors, and um, Kevin was actually one of my professors. Um, so that was my connection to them. Both a great and fantastic, outstanding relationship with both of them. They both served as mentors for me, um, even though I'm quite a bit older than John. Um, but one thing about our program was that there were so many people there to just help you that it was very easy to humble yourself and think, hey, okay, you know, I can learn from anybody. And that's hopefully the kind of attitude you'd be able to take away from any kind of learning environment you're in. I can learn from anybody. Hopefully today you learn a little bit from us. Um, me as a licensed clinician as well, um, I do a lot of work with black men in the community. Right now I work with a program called um, Starting With Today out of Capitol Heights, Maryland, and we do barbershop talks. We go into barbershops, there's one barbershop in particular in Southeast DC called Lee's Barbershop, and we talk to black men about, uh, well I do specifically, about relationships, about manhood, about um, trauma, about anything dealing with mental health and relationships, just to get black men a chance to actually open up, to be vulnerable, to talk about things in ways they never had a chance before, to learn how to articulate themselves around different ideas that they've been experiencing or been feeling and not being able to talk about before. And so we both have a lot of experience working with black men in the community. John has done a lot of work with incarcerated men. 
I've done a lot of work with, um, with college students and I have a 20 year history working in colleges um, and student life. Um, I used to be also be a social studies teacher before that. Um, so we both have a lot of history working with black men, but as clinicians, we bring something very different to the stage that a lot of other people don't. Um, first of all, John and I are what, probably two of only four or five black males who've actually graduated from a couple of family therapy programs, which has been around for what, almost 30 years? Yeah. Right. And so this is the only licensing program in the state of Maryland, meaning John and I are one of maybe four other black men who are licensed marriage and family therapists in the entire state of Maryland. And so you're not gonna see a lot of us out here doing the work that we're doing. You have a lot of people who are doing the work, but not with the same kind of credentials that we have. Now, so I will, we bring now I will say, I'm sorry, Nina, I will say there are benefits to that because we get paid very, very well. You know, think about it, y'all. When you're one of few, they gonna put up money. Yeah. So I'm gonna just keep it 100 and say, like, uh, it's it's been it's been unfortunate, but it, it's helped out pretty well. Usually, what happens is because there's only so few of us. If they can't get on my roster, they usually call Brother Reek, and if they can't get on his roster, they usually call me. And people will move their schedules around because why? It's always important. Y'all have been probably learning in here. It's important, um, particularly for men. When you think about men's ability to express themselves, to even be in relationships, sometimes it can be a little bit easier to have a male therapist. Yeah. I can't tell you guys how many times, and I work a lot with couples. It's one of my um, notable uh, achievements here in the DMV. I work a lot with couples. And it's usually with heterosexual couples, it's usually the female partner who will call and say, forget about me, I'd rather have a male therapist so that way my male partner can be very comfortable. Shit happens all the time. All the time. Shit happens all the time. Like so so the implications of not just up being up here, see we're not just up here rapping to y'all like we got nothing better else to do on Friday morning. But when you think about what y'all been talking in here with Dr. Roy about, the shit is real. We're about to walk you guys through some real life experiences as clinicians that we've seen whether it's in, in the jail system, whether it's in the community, whether it's whatever. Right in our office. Right in our office, right? And so when we think about, this is a big deal, to be able to understand, well, what are men's roles in relationships? And so we're gonna walk you guys through a lot of things, but yeah, it was actually one of the reasons how me and Brother Reed came together and even joined forces for us to lead our own separate movement, right, that we call Kings of the Heart where we go around and we're on the radio, we're doing podcasts, we're doing panels and stuff like that to really educate people not just about black men, not just about men of color. Because hell, my, my, my clientele is very diverse. But when you think about the whole notion of what it is to be a man to be in a relationship, yo, the shit is real. I mean, I can even, I'll be open and transparent with y'all. I just got married just almost close to four months ago. So even my transition into being a married man from being just in a relationship, having a fiance, and even before that, a girlfriend this is my beautiful wife right over there. Right? It's always great to have my baby here. Always good. Right? But when you think about it, right, that is a critical thing. And that's some of the things I know Dr. Roy has talked to you guys about. What does it mean to be a man? Are you a man at 18 or are you a man at 24? Are you a man before you get married? Or are you a man when you're like, you know what? to secure a real nice job, baby, before I even might think about marriage and all that. It happens. See, some of y'all are smiling and laughing because you know this shit is true. You done heard it, or you probably even seen it on TV, right? So this is real life implications today. So we're really glad y'all here with us to kick it for the next 50 minutes because it's going to get real. And we told Dr. Roy it was going to get real. And he was like, yeah, that's fine, that's fine. 
I'm really curious too, just to hear from you guys. What are some of the overarching themes that Dr. Boyd has discussed with you so far this semester? I mean, we're getting to the end of the semester. So if you're at this point and you don't know, yeah, I might want to start studying. But what are some of the overarching themes that you guys have discussed so far this semester? Is there anything in particular that you want us to break down that you have more questions about that you'd like to ask? I want to know your perspective on um, how the next semester. What else comes to mind? Any other questions? Any other thoughts you want? Anything you want to know about? Dr. Roy wanted us to touch upon, right? Losing the relationship. What does that mean to y'all? How did he explain it? What did y'all take from that lecture, losing the relationship? Go ahead. Uh, at young ages, boys have these relationships with those close to them, and as they grow older, they feel that they need to like break them off in order to become a man. Okay. So they kind of individualize themselves from everybody else in order to be able to express that sense of masculinity. from a practical standpoint, I'll tell you guys like how it looks like in like the real context, right? So the fact that boys tend to be socialized around the whole notion about like, well, you know, don't cry, can't really show feelings, blah, 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 right? You gotta be a man. All of those messages that we send, always when I've given talks across the nation, I've had people come at me because what happens is they usually think, see the default notion is that fathers are the ones always passing that notion down to their kids. That's not true. Mothers pass that down to their sons as well. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna be 100. See, we can't sit here and say, well, men are the ones who are just giving that to their sons. No, mothers have done it too. Mothers have done it inside my office as well. Stop crying, what are you crying about? So this whole notion of losing the relational, there's symptoms underneath that, right? So if you can't really express emotion, how, how is an eight-year-old boy even supposed to manage a relationship if he's not even able to be able to, one, express emotion and also receive emotion? Think about it. Think about it. Right now, I'm just curious, how many people are in a relationship right now? Raise your hand. Okay. That's all right, shout out to my single people as well. You know, I'm sorry. Right? But think about it. Y'all know what time it is that when you're in a relationship, and this is where men struggle, it's now that is the time where you have to practice all those skills you should have learned when you was a kid. So when you do cut off those relationships as a young boy, man, what are you gonna do when now you're an adult? 
you really don't even know how to operate. But let's bring it back a little bit further too, because I did a workshop last, I think last winter with a group of mothers. There's probably about 18 mothers in there, and my presentation was about how do you teach your children to become more emotionally expressive? And as I'm going through this discussion, what we're discovering as a group is that most of the mothers in there had a hard time expressing their emotions, articulating their emotions, being aware of what they're feeling, and knowing how to regulate them, regulate their emotions enough so that they're having healthy conversations. And so we're up here worrying about what they're teaching the kids. They don't know themselves. And so yeah, of course the kids are gonna struggle if the parents aren't aware, if the parents can't articulate. And so as family therapists, when we're sitting in a room with a family and you see the way they're all communicating, you realize, oh, it's not just the kids. The mother and the father are struggling with articulating their own emotions, expressing. I also want to add a piece. Someone raised their hand and talked about like black men. I, I want to be very open and clear and very honest with you guys. Okay, black men are not the only ones struggling with expressing emotions. Oh no. Okay, not. let's keep it one hundred. White men struggle too. So do Asians. So do Hispanic men. Okay, but the 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 stereotype that tends to be circulated is that only black men struggle. Hell, most of my clientele right now are white men. What are you talking about? And them jokers are in there struggling every day. They don't look like me, okay? So they in there struggling. So we also need to be mindful about some of the cultural lenses that tend to be spun on this whole notion that only black men struggle. Well, if that was the case, then um, I, I would assume, as a marriage and family therapist, that heterosexual Caucasian couples should be 100%. Well, it's not, okay? So again, I wanna throw that out there because it shows you that men across all races, socioeconomic status, we've seen them. We've seen brothers in jail right now who are struggling, and we got people who are CEOs, lawyers, and doctors, top, even athletes in our offices, and they're all their asses are struggling across the spectrum, 100%. All races and, and creeds and all types of stuff. So whenever I hear the whole notion of, no, no, black men are really struggling, and no, they really know, and there wasn't a father in the house, man, cut that shit out, okay? Because there's a lot of men who struggle. To Brother Rick's point, how many people in here, regardless of how you self-identify, how many people in here are 100% confident that you are fully emotionally aware on how to manage your emotions and that of someone else in a relationship? Raise your hand. Who's confident? I'm confident. I know. I'm good. <laughs> you don't count. Right? It's hard, right? Why aren't people raising their hand? Think about it, y'all. How many people y'all see walking on this campus all the time? You see the couples like, you know, skipping and holding hands. You're like, oh my gosh, I love you, I love you too. Right? I miss you, I miss you too, right? Yeah? And, and what do we do? We're like, oh my gosh, like they, they got it together. They got it together, right? That's the misperception. We've seen jokers on Facebook kissing, 40 pictures of straight kissing. Oh my gosh, they, they, they have it together. Man, them jokes are in our offices. Yeah. Don't get it twisted don't in our offices. It's all show, right? And so we always laugh when it comes to men because we have men who come in our office and they hard. They they super hard. I had one last night. I was telling my wife, but I had one last night. He's like one of the top people in like DC or whatever. He came in that joker hard. He was like, yeah, you know, I don't really talk about you know feelings and more. I don't even know why I'm here. <laughs> you know, like what was going to be in here or whatever. I was like, all right, brother, keep shucking your shoulders. <laughs> I got something for your ass in 10 minutes, okay? 
So he was in there. I don't really talk about feelings. My dad, I, I was raised in a family where my dad said, we, we can't talk about feelings. I said, all right. I said, you don't really know me. I said, you came to me because my reputation is that dope. So I'm grateful. And I always love the men who come in there and they're like super hard. Real hard with it. I tell my wife all the time, I'm like, man, he ain't ready for me. Brother Reed goes through the same thing. This happened last night, less than 15 hours ago, came in my office. I don't need to really talk about feelings. I asked this joker like three questions. I asked him three questions. I said, and one of the questions was, so I was like, as I got to know you, right? I said, you started to open up in front of me. I said, one thing I noticed about your personality is that you know you tend to be a giver. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm a giver. I'm a giver. I said, okay. I said, if I had to bet, right? I said, I'm pretty sure you grew up in a household where you gave a lot, right? Even in your friendships, you gave a lot, right? You give hard. Even in your romantic relationships, you gave hard. I said, yeah, yeah, I do. So I was like, well, people like you who give really hard, pretty sure you struggle to get the same energy back. See the tears start rolling down his face. See the snot bubble pop out. <laughs> and I laughed around his brother's face. I said, I told you, give me 10, 15 minutes, I'm going to break you. Coming in with that hard posture, see, that's what that's what Dr. Roy's talking about. When Dr. Roy came up with this class, I was with him when he came up with this class. Look, look, look listen to the title, Man Up. What does that mean? Think about it. What does that mean, Man Up? Because there's a lot of people in here, there's a lot of brothers in here, of all of us, they're going to walk out of there, they're going to be stunting and acting like they got it together, and the inside they hurting. That was my client last night. Came in there showboating, talking about his Lexus and all other types of stuff. I don't really care about that. My dude, your wife, you and your wife haven't had sex in five years, B. <laughs> oh, we got stories for days. Oh, yeah. Right? But when you think about that example, brother, we, where, where was the struggle for him? Well, see, the one part I will add to that, the question I always ask when people come in there with that hard exterior and talking about they don't express their emotions, my first question is, so how do you think that affects your relationship? Exactly. Because if you can't express your emotion, and you talk about you love somebody, then how do you show it? How do you demonstrate that, that sense of love? You define what love is. But if you don't express your emotions, how does that affect your relationship? Not with just with your spouse, but with your kids. What are you showing your kids? Now, you want your kids to be more emotionally aware, but you're not doing it. So you're not, you're not even serving as a good model. So what do you think people are seeing? When people are, you know, when you're communicating with anybody, anybody, what kind of communication are you having? Is it always conflictual? Are you always fighting with people? Are you always coming off across angry? In my barbershop talk, one of the things that um, I did a discussion around, black men always seeming angry. That's the stereotype. Black men are always angry. So I walk into the barbershop. Got my microphone, I'm asking questions. First question I ask, why does it seem like all black, why does it seem um, that black men are always angry? Everyone answered, all the guys in there, because we are angry. We are. Like, oh, okay, cool. Give me an example. So the head barbershop owner, um, he's high as, you know, late 50s, he says, well, um, I'm raising my 16 year old daughter by myself. And I left out the other day, I said, do something. When I got home, it wasn't done. I got angry, I yelled at her, she got defensive, she ran to her room, and now we're still angry at each other. Okay, so you said you were angry, right? Yeah. All right, so let's break it down a little bit. 
You asked her to do something that she didn't do and you got angry. It sounds to me like you're either disappointed or felt disrespected. Yeah, okay. So what's that? You didn't just jump into anger. That's right. a secondary emotion. You guys know about primary and secondary emotions? Okay. So you know anger is a secondary emotion. That's a response to some other kind of stimuli, some other kind of triggers. So you either felt disrespected or disappointed. Now imagine for a second, you approach your daughter saying, I'm disappointed in you that you didn't do this, as opposed to showing the anger. How different do you think that conversation would have went? Changed his life. It's been a year since we had a conversation. And he keeps coming to me saying, hey, I know how to communicate my expression. Like, I can express my emotions a little bit better now, so it's helping in every one of my relationships. <clears throat> and so it's about recognizing that this whole stereotype around black men being angry is not anger. Oftentimes, it may be depression. They're masking the depression with the anger. They're masking their lack of knowing how to articulate their emotions with the anger. There's more going on there, so how do you get underneath that? How do you get them to be able to express what's really happening with them? You can't do that if they don't even have a language for it. My main thing when I'm working with my clients, particularly my male clients, is measuring their ability to have their um, emotional intelligence and their emotional, um, uh, what's the word? Um, awareness? Well, their, their, their um, literacy, emotional literacy. Yeah. So emotional awareness, emotional intelligence, and emotional um, literacy. First, you have to be able to be aware. Your emotional intelligence is being aware of your emotions, the way I break it down. Are you even aware of what your emotions are? Can you even point out the specific emotion you're feeling right now? So once you're able to identify that, do you have the words to describe what that feeling is? Okay, I'm angry. It's fine, you're angry. What are the other things that go into anger? So maybe disappointment, okay? So let's, let's find the proper words to describe what you're feeling. I'm agitated. That's better than angry. Because now, once you figure out what the word is, then you know how to, you have to figure out how to express that emotion properly, emotional regulation. So these, all these steps that you're skipping, you're going right to anger. You know how to express the anger because you've learned that your entire life. But has anybody ever walked you through understanding how to differentiate between different emotions and how to express those different, um, different emotions? No. Because all you're being told as a kid is suck it up. You don't have the opportunity to express different emotions. And so this is all you know. All you know to express anger because that gets the attention that you need at the time. You either keep people away or draw people closer. Oftentimes you keep people away. But if you're, if you're, what you're trying to do is build healthier relationships, then what you have to do is figure out how to use the right words to bring people closer. If all you're doing is showing anger, and that gets back to what John was saying, if all you're doing is showing anger, how does that affect your relationship? I mean, it's, it's, it's rough, right? You know, um, a lot of the things that we're going to talk about, it all ties together, right? So someone asked about toxic masculinity. Like, I'll tell you guys a famous story. Dr. Roy was there with me. So if y'all think I'm lying, ask him when he comes back. This is a true story I'm going to tell you, okay? Brother Reed loves this story, and uh, my, my wife gets a kick out of it as well. <laughs> a couple years ago when I was working on my dissertation, we went to um, the, uh, the jail uh, or the prison up in Upper Marlboro. We were running fatherhood groups there. There was a big bunch of guys in there, but like, good amount, about like 12, 13 guys. And you know, it's, it's in, in sociology, you know, they call it the wolf pack mentality. So a couple things happened that day. 
when I started the session, it's like one guy was having issues with his baby mom. Right? He had just got off the phone. I think the conversation went really bad. So he brought that energy into the room. So he sits down, and you can just tell that he tipped the scale. So I called him out. I was like, brother man, like, what's going on? You look really upset. And he, I want to be clear. He's talking about his, 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 the mother of his children. And he just starts going, oh, you know, bitch this and bitch that. And I hate this bitch and da 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 blah, blah, blah. And it was like a ripple effect. When you talk about toxic masculinity, toxic implies that it, it spills over and it starts to have a negative effect. So as he's talking, you can hear the other guy, yeah, man, yeah, the bitch did the same thing to me. And, da -da -da, and I was hearing like bitches over there and bitches over here. Look, I got to the point where I was like, look, y'all got to cut that shit out right now. 100%. A new word. Yeah, 100%, man. Because I, I had to talk directly to dude. I said, come on, man. Like, that's the mother of your children? I get it, you angry. I get it as a man you would talk to and display anger like this. This is the mother of your children, B. Like, I had to break it down. And I was like, you got a daughter? He was like, yeah, I got a daughter. She's like four years. Okay, how would you like if she wasn't in the room and someone who you know was dating your daughter was saying, bitch, would you be cool with it? No. So don't do that. Because whoever you decide to have kids with, that's somebody's daughter, auntie, cousin, sister. When I checked that fool, the rest of them got right in line. Because you know why the implications is what Brother Reed was talking about. But dude, you have a daughter. Come on, man. 100%. If your daughter catches or even hears you one time call her mom a bitch, bro, that's programming. That's programming. So when you talk about toxic masculinity, I told him straight to his face. And y'all already know my style, and I've only been there in a few minutes. I keep 100% wherever I go. I told my man straight to his face. I said, I don't want you calling me or any of my associates asking for therapy. When your daughter is, is dating a dude and all you hear him call is bitch this and bitch that, I said, don't try to fight him. Don't try to act like father of the year. Keep the same energy you're doing right now. Because if you think you cool enough, you tight enough to call her mother a bitch, then bro, it applies across her. So you can't pick and choose. You know, we live in a society today. Y'all know what time it is. People like to pick and choose. I had to tell him, cut it out. Another example, I had another fool in that group too was, was trying it later on. He was talking about like, man, I hate that lovey-dovey shit. He was talking about a relationship he, he's in with his bed. I hate that lovey. And I'm not gonna lie to you guys, I'll keep him 1,000. This brother looks scary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm gonna keep him 1,000. He looked like he could eat me, okay? <laughs> he was scary. And then, then you got, then you got, then you got Dr. Roy Tall, sleepy white guy. <laughs> scared as shit. And I'm like, God, it's like, God, it's cool, right? He's just going on. He's just like, man, you know, bitch, da 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 You know, you know, Dr. Roy's pretty fair, so he starts turning red. And I was like, nah, he's not going to handle this. Let me handle it. <laughs> right? So I said, yeah, watch out. I got him. I got him. So I told him, I said, he's just going off, going off, going off. And I was like, all right, I just said something simple. He was like, yeah, you know, when I'm with my boys, when I'm with my dudes, I don't have to do that. That's all he kept saying. When I'm with my boys, when I'm with my dudes, and I was like, then why don't you go and marry one of your dudes? <laughs> Everybody started laughing. And I was like, I'm not trying to clown you, bro, but like, sir, you cannot take the ways you, you interact with your male friends and bring that shit into a heterosexual relationship. And ladies, you know what we're talking about, if you've been in a relationship at all, like, I'm sorry. I even tell my female clients, and I'm not being stereotypical, but if it's one thing I, I need for everybody to walk out of here, even my wife has accepted it to me as a well-educated, prominent clinician, men, we are very linear. We're very, very linear, 
right? It goes one, then two, then three, then four. You can't give us multiple directions. <laughs> I didn't touch the soul today. I didn't touch the soul today. But when you think about it, you have to be able to still communicate. And what I was telling him, I was like, you can't do that. Don't, don't treat your female partner, if you're a heterosexual man, as if she's one of your boys. That is toxic masculinity, right? You look at the way our culture has been shaped, whether it's hip hop, whether it's country music, whether it's whatever, it really, it, it really creates this vibe that like, not only are women are objects, but men, this is how we will socialize you to be around them. But you know the funny thing about it? Toxic masculinity, that's why I had to call them out because those brothers was picking and choosing. And a lot of them said, man, when I had a daughter, a lot of them will say, you'll hear this, when I had a daughter, a lot of stuff changed for me. So of course it changed you, right? But it was still there because there's a lot of stuff. I think even um, T.I. was in the news recently, right? Y'all heard about that with T.I.? Yeah, but then he talked about his son, like, yeah, I'd be high-fiving my son. We'd be tearing it up. I'm like, bro, that's toxic masculinity. What are you talking about? You're going to be in your daughter's appointments and be all talking about checking the hymen. Yeah, that's toxic masculinity. What are you communicating? That is inappropriate. But then when it comes to his son, yeah, you know, you dabbed up. That's what, that, a, a lot of that is toxic masculinity, right? And, but Brother Reef, how does that translate over into trying to move forward when it comes to like romantic relationship? Meaning, when shit does get hard, how does toxic masculinity start to disrupt that? It doesn't work. It, it can't work. It can't work. One thing that, you know, you'll, you'll, you need to begin to understand in terms of our culture. You know, I talk a lot about provider roles. And everyone know what I mean by provider roles? Like who's the breadwinner in the family? Who's actually the one bringing home what? Who's completing what in the household? And so what you'll find is that, um, you know, people always say, well, you know, since women have started going to work, you know, it's changed everything. It changed the world. And I have to break things down a few ways, especially when it comes to um, the black community. Because first of all, black women have always worked, from working in the fields as enslaved people, yeah. all the way through emancipation and um, and segregation, all the way up to current day. There were times in American history where a black woman could get a job and a black man couldn't. So in order to maintain the family, the black woman always was a breadwinner, always a provider in the, in the family. And so what you'll find is that women overall, but black women in particular, happen to be very egalitarian. Do you understand what it means to be egalitarian? Break it down, brother. You live in a, you, you look at things from an um, a equitable, a equitable standpoint, where everyone is contributing. It's not based on gender roles. You're not doing things according to traditional gender roles. You're doing things in terms of what works, what actually helps the entire family. So you have traditional on one side, and you have egalitarian on the other side. Women overall are further to the egalitarian side. Men overall are further to the traditional side. But black women are to the far, far left, far right, when it comes to the egalitarian. So one of the conflicts you'll find with toxic masculinity, if you are a man with very traditional views about what it means to be a man, what it means to be um, a woman, what it means to be in a family, you're gonna run into a conflict with somebody who's much more egalitarian. As a woman, if you believe that you have the right to work, if you have the right to be able to express your voice in the household and talk about the things that you're feeling and what you want out of life, and then you run into a man who doesn't think you should have that right, there's gonna be conflict. Wait, hold on. Don't even link up. <laughs> I mean, that blows my mind. Like, I, I've been here in Maryland. I've taught 
I've, I've taught a whole bunch of students, and I've had people come in, whether they're gay, straight, or whatever, they come in and it's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, this is like what I believe, but you know, my partner is the complete opposite, and you know, we're really worried, and then they keep going, 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 you know, and hopefully, you know, we can get married after we graduate. What? Listen to what Brother Reed just said. If you are on the traditional sense, then it only makes sense in terms of partnering, whatever your sexual orientation is, is to find someone more in line of that because it will create conflict. And this is across all races. Like even Southern white men are very, very traditional men. Why do you think there's that notion about the Southern belt? It falls in line with the notion of a traditional man in the South. They didn't just make that up. But you can't be like, oh, I'm a very traditional man, and then, but you're interested in someone, regardless of who they are, who's very egalitarian. I'm not saying it can't work, but you guys are gonna have to like communicate very effectively though, because if not, you are going to come in and see us, because that is almost a breakdown in values. Those are roles. But, but think about this too. There are a lot of people who think that they are more traditional, and so they are put into a very traditional situation. You may think as a woman, yes, I want to have a man who takes care of me. But do you understand what comes with that? Do you understand the control that comes with that? So you want somebody to take care of you, but you also want to have control over your own destiny, your own life. So if they're taking care of you, how can you have control? So then you have to be clear about what it is that you really want. I want a partner. I want somebody who can work with me so that we can have things together, not be taken care of. So you have to be clear yourself. So when you are getting into relationships, you're not getting into a relationship with somebody who has viewpoint that's very different from yours. Again, your thoughts versus your behaviors and your actions have to be in line, oftentimes in line. You have a belief based off maybe your religious beliefs that this is how it should be. But your experiences going to college, you'll find in the research that college-educated women are much more egalitarian. This is a place, this is a hotbed for learning how to be, become much more equitable in your relationships and your work environments. And so many of you, even if you were raised in very religious back, with very religious backgrounds, just from your experiences, you're moving further away from some of the traditions that are written, talked about within those traditions, within that, um, that spiritual background. But you may want to be with somebody who has that same kind of you know, religious background. What if they hold on to those same traditions from that background and you're learning something totally different? How's that gonna link up? How's that gonna sync up? It's not. Because again, you're talking about a very toxic way of looking at how things are supposed to operate. That doesn't work. But one other thing I wanna go back to, in terms of we're looking at toxic masculinity and Brother John was talking about it from working with clients in the prison, um, in the prison system. I actually work with the corrections officer. I have a contract with the Department of Corrections for Prince George's County, the same jail he was just speaking about, um, where I see the corrections officers as um, for clinical work. Many of the things he's talking about that the inmates are dealing with, so are they. It's not just based off of their own experiences leading them to jail, no. The people have to work with them and oversee them are dealing with some of the same problems. You want to talk about toxic masculinity? Talk to a guy who has to deal with inmates all day long and talk about maintaining that hard exposure, and, um, yeah, exterior. Oh, they could be some of the worst because they know that if they let their emotions show at work, it could become a very dangerous situation for them. 
The problem is they don't know how to turn it off when they do want it. Yeah. And they bring that right into their relationship. So I'm seeing couples and I'm seeing individuals who work in prisons who are experiencing the same exact thing that he's talking about that the prisons are going through. <coughs> so now it's not just about experiences. It's about your beliefs. I like to break things down in terms of beliefs, attitudes, and behaviors. The things that you believe are going to affect your attitude towards something. Your attitude about that is going to affect your behavior. So if we go back to the whole provider roles thing, if you believe that a man is supposed to be the breadwinner of the household, then your attitude towards the provider role is that the man is going to provide, and that the woman is going to do the other things that go into a household. And that's the behavior that you, that's going to follow the belief and the attitude. But if you believe, again, that you should have the ability, that you will have the ability to do whatever you want to in the household, whether that's how much money you bring in to um, domestic labor, to rearing the children, and how that balances out, your beliefs will lead to your behavior if you're with a person who actually follows that same kind of logic. But a lot of people don't. And again, that's where the conflict comes in. The, one, you know, I want to spend a couple minutes because I know Dr. Roy reached out to me and Brother Reek uh, to talk about even things like relationship flows, right? So when I was teaching here in Maryland over the last five, seven years, um, kind of teaching the same courses he was teaching since he was my mentor, you know, I would actively talk to my students about this, you know, about relationships. I think what usually happens is I think people who are significantly older or just much older, they honestly believe that you all as a cohort in terms of where you guys are age-wise aren't having relationship issues or that you shouldn't be having relationship issues. Why? Because you're supposed to be focused on school, right? I'm pretty sure everybody's parenting here be riding their asses all the time about focus on school, get done, and all the other stuff. But if it's one thing I taught in the class that he teaches now, it is that transition to adulthood. So I say that to say that like relationship woes, like it's real and, and it affects men as well. I'll give you a really good example. When I teach the class, I talk about the transition to adulthood. Not, not many people know this, but this is shown in the literature, okay? That when you're dealing, anytime you're dealing with heterosexual couples, if it's one thing they need to figure out between the ages of 18 and 31 is going to be the notion of, the notion of having kids, right? So, but men, right, we don't really think about it like that because like we don't have a uterus, okay? We don't have fallopian tubes, we don't have ovaries, we don't that, right? I'll give you like a really good example. Maryland's quarterback, Tyrell Piggy, right? I know him very well. I taught him last year, you know? And so he was in there and he was even talking about like, yeah, you know, like, I, I don't really think about that, whatever, X, Y, and Z. And I was like, but of course you don't. I wasn't putting him on blast, but I said, of course you don't. I said, but if you, but so I asked him, that's what happened, and everybody was laughing. He says, yeah, I don't really think about it. You know, Professor Hart, like, I'm, I'm cool, I'm good, or whatever. So I asked in front of everybody, I said, do you have a uterus? He looked confused. And I was like, I hope you don't have a uterus. I mean, like, think about it. It's not that hard of a question. But what I'm talking about is that biological process, or that notion of just the presence of a different biological process, that impacts relationships. Think about it. I don't even care what, regardless of your sexual orientation. You have to figure it out. That's where women are usually crunched in their transition to adulthood. Because you do have to think about, well, do I want to go on for further schooling? Do I delay it? Do I not delay it? Men don't have to worry about that. 
And that is a relationship woe for folks who are in the transition to adulthood area. That's where y'all are at, 18 to 31. That's where y'all are at. Y'all got to figure out five stages in the next 10 years. And best believe, and if, and if I'm lying, somebody raise their hand and call me a liar. Not some scare you or anything. Right. But That's some of y'all folks is already plotting for y'all. When we have the wedding day, they're going to have the first baby on this day. Y'all are laughing, but this joint is real. Go ask your parents. Some, some of them already told you, don't secure that job because you're going to be getting married. You're going to be getting married. Even when you get closer to your senior year, if you're dating someone, yeah, you're going to really find out what time it is, how your parents feel about your partner. Because why? Because they're going through their own stages. But that always creates conflict. For the transition to adulthood, it's going to be job. And when you think about a man, it's, it's, it's this whole notion of being a man, of being a provider that's pretty hard. There are some men, like this is how it gets real when you think about society. Structural inequality does exist. It really does exist. Y'all know that if you graduate from the School of Engineering, you know right off the bat you start out with 80K. 80K. Start out with a bachelor's. 80K. Okay? And that's bread. You know how much money that is per month? Even when they take out taxes. So that person who's coming out, yeah, he or she can maintain their own pretty well. But y'all know what time it is, you know, when you're in the social sciences, you gotta bust your ass and work your way up. But money is going to be there. Why do you think families who have money, even research shows, those families are able to pass that wealth down. Makes it easier for you to get married and have kids and buy a house. All the things y'all gotta figure out over the next 10 years. So if you're a man, where me and Brother Rico have heard men talk about, it's like, yeah, I can't really propose to her yet, Dr. Hart, because, you know, I gotta get my stuff together. I feel you on that. But did you tell her? You see how this shit gets real? Does she know? Because y'all in there on Pinterest looking at wedding stuff, does she even know? <laughs> Hello? Buying that ring, you got the money to buy the ring, you saw the ring. I had one brother in my arm, uh, true story, happened, happened a few months ago. He, he found out about the ring his girlfriend wanted him to get, and he fainted. <laughs> he fainted in my office. And then when I saw the ring, and I was kind of like, God damn. He saw the ring, and I, I, so I asked, I said, brother, did you talk to her about your plans? Does she even know what's going on in your mind? No. But, but, but I said, but that's your lady, man. You gotta talk to her. And you know what she kept saying? My clock, my clock. Values, brother Reed just said it, because she may let it be known to him, I'm not having kids if I don't get that ring. So at least for her, she's like, yeah, no, I'm not gonna be, we're not gonna do out of wedlock. And you know what I did? I never seen someone's blood pressure go up so fast in front of me. And you can't even read blood pressure without that damn object. <laughs> that brother looks stressed. It was so bad, I said, come see me later on in the week. He was that stressed. And I had to, I had to adjust with him. I had to say, okay, female partner, we got to meet him halfway, but you also got to meet your lady halfway too. Why? Because he was like, man, I don't, I, I'm scared. I'm not ready. Why? Because his father was never married. His grandfather was never married. So there is something about him freaking out. He just wasn't scared. He just didn't, it wasn't that he just didn't give a fuck. But we don't have those kinds of like examples. It is gonna be hard. When you talk about relationship woes, man, y'all are in it. I don't know why people don't even give y'all at y'all age right. I don't know why I don't give y'all more credit that y'all are going through some shit. Y'all do go through some shit. I had students coming to my office like crying. Not because, oh, I just broke up with so-and-so and X, Y, and Z. But they worried about the, the steps ahead. Hear me out, and I'm gonna pass it back to Brother Reed. You know how scary the transition to adulthood is for a woman? 
Fellas, let's let's keep it one hundred. If you end up as as if you're a heterosexual woman, if you end up spending most of your twenties with an individual and it ends up not playing out well, your twenties are gone. So now you enter your thirties and it's like it's crunch time. But what's the but what's the fear? It's as it's, even outside the biological clock. It's as you get older as a woman, right? The pickings get slimmer. It gets slimmer. There's a lot more women who self-identify on this planet than there are men. Whereas men, they just be skipping along, they're juggling in their 40s and 50s, just skipping along like, yeah, man, get married, ain't done. It's not to say we don't feel the pressure. Right. In my 30s, I felt the pressure nonstop, exactly for the reason he said. Especially in this area. You have a lot of women who are professionals yeah. who spend a lot of time in school, building up their careers, making sure that they were secure, who now want to get married towards the end of their good prime baby-making years. And so now you're 28, 29, 30, 31 years old, and now you're digging. You're trying to find somebody who's gonna fill that shoe. And so as a single man, you're sitting around saying, hold on, I just met you yesterday. I don't even know if I like you like that yet. It'd be so like that. any kind of conversation. It'd be like that in all the cities. If you if y'all leave DC, go to New York, go to go to Miami, go to LA, it's the same problems over there too. Those are relationship woes. Right? For, so even things like that, I always tell men, does your lady know? Does, does she know what you're playing? Because some dudes are like, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about another three, four years before I have kids. She's like, no, I'm talking about like, like today. I even had one of my clients even joke to her husband, because they just got married. And she said, if I can get pregnant today, I need it today. Man, it's real, man. Like, it's real. Men got to figure it out. Women got to figure it out. Even gay couples go through the same shit, man, same structural problems. So don't get it twisted that we just up here and it's just heterosexual couples. Nah, the gay community, oh, everybody in that community, they struggle too. Yeah. Like it's real. Toxic masculinity does not only apply to heterosexual men. I'm gonna say that one more time. Let me tell you. Okay? Toxic masculinity does not apply only to heterosexual men. This shit is real. I've seen it with lesbian couples. Exactly. <laughs> and that's a whole nother conversation. But look, we only have a few minutes left. And so we want to leave a little time for you guys to ask questions. I see people already starting to pack up. Um, do you guys have any questions that you want to ask us? Um, period. Questions? Any questions? Look, I even tell you, even if it's a question about your own damn relationship, get it in. It's free. We're not charging. <laughs> we'll, we'll charge Dr. Roy's ass when he come back. Yeah. He got money. Go ahead. Uh, when people like, rush that around their like, late 20s and early 30s, are those like, normally the relationships that end up like, not working out? Oh, no. That's all ages. I've had I have couples who met in high school, met in college, who are sitting on my couch, who've been together for 20 years. You know, so no, it's not. It's, that's that's something that may lead to it. But trust me, people of all ages come in, and whenever they met, that doesn't really matter. Any more questions? And just real quick, just so you know, to kind of piggyback on the whole topic of masculinity thing. People often ask me, what are the, what's the advice or what do you work on most with couples? Is it you know, communication? Is it finances? And I tell them over and over again, it's effort. Yeah, man. Effort is the biggest thing that I have to work on, particularly with men, because of toxic masculinity. As a man, if you believe all you have to do is bring in your paycheck and put it on the, on the table, and then you're done, that means you're not doing anything else around the house, again. Domestic labor is big. No one wants to do the dishes. You saying, well, I help my wife out and do the dishes. No, you're not helping nobody out because you own the house too. That's not help. It's contribution. 
So you have to make an effort. If your belief, again, going back to beliefs, if your belief is that the woman's supposed to take care of the children, the woman's supposed to keep the house, even though both of you are working, that's toxic masculinity. And you have to make more of an effort to contribute in ways that you don't believe you're supposed to. You have to change your beliefs. My, my, my part of work, too, guys, I'm gonna tell you the same thing I told my class when I was teaching here, too. And if I sound like an old fart, I'm sorry, but, you know. Like, it's gonna sound real corny, but I'm learning about couples is that y'all just take your time. Really get to know who you are as a person. Really understand what your needs are. Like right now where y'all are in y'all lives, y'all got certain type of needs. It's cool. But it may change over time. So if you are in a relationship right now, or if you're looking for a relationship right now, it's cool. Do that. Right? But try to find yourself because if most of you guys in here want to get married, it's not a game, man. I just got married. And even my boys was, was in there before they took me to my wedding venue, and all, most of them are married now. Brother Reek was there, he was one of my groomsmen, spoke at my, spoke at my wedding. And my boys was like, yo, pressure's on now. And so what I mean is, I had to go find myself. It sounds cliche, but I have no problem telling y'all right now that where I was years ago, my wife wouldn't have put up with my antics. She even knows that as well. She, she knows she would never have put up. Man, y'all ever see me in college? I was wild. 100. Not me. I was a saint. Nah, I was wild. <laughs> right? And it's not about what I had to get that out of out of my system or whatever. But if it's one thing I'm gonna tell y'all, real talk, each and every one of y'all, nobody's family is perfect. A lot of y'all going through some family shit right now. A lot of y'all going through a lot of family shit right now. My suggestion is try to figure that shit out before you go marry whoever you're gonna go marry. You know why? Because you'll be more clear-headed about who's the best partner for you. Most of the issues that you deal with right now personally is from your damn family, 100%. And if you think I'm lying, I'll I, I, I walk out, I'll shut up, I promise. If you think I'm lying about where the source of every single one of y'all problems is, enjoy Thanksgiving. See how that comes. <laughs> and real quick, Chambers plug, just in terms of what Dr. John was talking about, in terms of dating in college, I actually wrote a book um, back in 2006. It's called It's Just a Damn Date. Why we expect too much too soon. You can look it up on Amazon. It'll give you some good guides on how to navigate these next few years in terms of the dating world. So take that, take a look at that too. So Man, y'all been great. Thank Appreciate you guys so much. We're clear for takeoff.